Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, we're blessed this morning to have some family in town. The family vibes continue, and um, I'm excited because we have Pastor Darren Kiddo who's going to come and bring the word. But before I get him up here, I just want to take a moment and just say that Pastor Darren is amazing, and um, he's been such an encourager to me personally, and um, uh, has served faithfully at Hillsong Church for for probably I don't know 20, 25 years now, and he's the um, the International Ministry Director for Hillsong Church um, and also oversees Hillsong Family, of which we are a part. And a few years ago, uh, reached out to me on text message and was like, hey, I'd love to just chat to you about, about Hillsong Family. And we got together. I love the first question that Pastor Darren asked me was this. He said, tell me about your church. He said, tell me about your church, which in other words, is like, tell me about the people, you know, tell me about the people you're leading, which is us, which is you. And, um, and I think it's just so cool that now it's full circle and Daz is here with us today and he's going to preach to us, our church. Um, so could you stand with us? Can we really honour Pastor Darren Kiddo as he comes this morning to bring the Word? Thanks, guys. How are you? I feel like I know you all. I've heard so much about you over the last few years and uh, I got to spend some time uh, I think it would have been two years ago, was it? Two years ago with your staff, uh, doing some training and just speaking into the life of the church. And, you know, I love your pastors. Do you love your pastors? Yeah. I, um, I've known them for a long time and I was just standing over here getting all emotional. Just with, um, just, it's amazing to see what God can do through people, right? And uh, I just really wanted to just, before I start preaching, just acknowledge the fact that up here this morning on the platform, number of people, um, all volunteers, volunteering or mostly volunteers. We've got a whole bunch of people back there on the sound desk, volunteers, people on camera, people running the online church. As we drove in, people park, helping us find parking, people hosting us, people running our kids' ministry. This church is run on faithful volunteers and without them. So why don't we just acknowledge the volunteers? And thank you guys. I've been volunteering in church for 30 years uh, in some capacity and it's honestly one of the greatest things you can do. So if you haven't kind of got to that part where you're, where you're involved in doing something, I believe that discipleship happens in community and vo- part, being part of a volunteer team is actually one of the greatest communities that you'll experience. So it doesn't have to be every weekend, but just, you know, six out of seven, you know. Uh, <laughs> I want to pray um, I believe for God to speak to us today. And um, anyway, Father, I thank you. Thank you for this awesome church. I thank you for such a great team, such a great family vibe and volunteers that are just sacrificing their Sunday to serve in your house. Lord, I pray that you would just quicken your word to people's hearts, minds and lives. Lord, I pray that today would be a day where the light went on for someone. Lord, that we would just grow Take that next step in our faith journey and be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
I, uh, I had a milestone birthday, December 27th last year. Uh, I turned 50 years old. I know you, I don't look a day over 49, but... Uh, <laughs> And, you know, it's one of these moments, uh, I remember for my 40th birthday, it was like a, man, this is a significant kind of time. You, you, you stop and you, you take check of your life. You're like, where am I at? Where, you know, because when you're in your 20s, you're like, by the time I'm 40, I want to be doing this, you know. And, uh, and then you get to 40 and you're like, how do I go with that? And then I got to 50 and I started to just think about my life and started to assess a few things and... You know, I really feel like as a 50-year-old now with all the grey hair coming in and, you know, that I should be a, a person of wisdom. You know, when, you, when you're a young person and you say something that's even mildly smart, people say you've got wisdom beyond your years. I haven't heard that saying in a long time. <laughs> I hear things like you're a father figure, uh, you're such a wise old builder, uh, <laughs> I get um, in, in our church in, in California, if I'm speaking, they'll, they'll introduce me and they'll say things like, Darren Kiddo's been on staff for 25 years. I'm like, man, you have to tell people how old I am every time I get up there. And, uh, you know, so I had this kind of, this moment where I just stopped and thought about this whole thought, this whole concept of wisdom. You know, we have um, so much access to knowledge, Right. Never before, and, and, and you'll say this for, for, for every generation going forward, but never before has there been such access to information. I, my kids, you know, I start trying to tell them something and they'll Google fact check me. We call it a GFC in our family. And uh, they'll be like, no, that's not right, Dad. No, it happened in this and, and this happened and that person did this. And I'm like, you can't sneak anything through your kids these days. They're checking the facts on everything. I mean, we've got such access to information and it's coming at you from every different angle. You know what I, what I mean by that, every different angle, depending on which way the person delivering the information leans, that's how the information is going to come your way. And so you never know, what do I believe? What don't I believe? What's true? What's spin? What's political? What's somebody's agenda? And there's all this information and so much information coming our way and we pursue it. But I think we need to pursue wisdom. I think our, our pursuit shouldn't be, be information. Our pursuit should be wisdom. You see, if wisdom is applied knowledge. It's applied information. It's actually taking the information that we hear and applying it to our lives. I uh, have four kids. They're at the age where they talk back now. It's not as much fun. And uh, I've got a 20-year-old daughter an 18-year-old daughter, a 16-year-old son and a 15-year-old son, and every one of them now talks back. And here's a common saying that, that I hear from them, and the title of my message today is, as I'm tr trying to give them some information, they say this statement. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'll be halfway through telling them something and they think that they know where I'm going to go with the story. So to cut me off and to save themselves 13 seconds, they'll say, yeah, yeah, I know, Dad. Yeah, yeah, I know. I have staff where I'm starting to try and explain things to them or, or, or talk to them about something or tell them something. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, you know, what was I about to say? Finish the sentence. And they try and finish it. And I'm like, no, that wasn't what I was going to say at all. But soon as though you know, I'm just not going to tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> I'll go on strike as the boss. 
And, and there's this kind of, you know, people think that they know everything. And, and, then, and then we come to church and we're like, teach us something. Give us some more information. Teach us something new. And there's this pursuit of new information and new knowledge. But the challenge, I believe, is not new information and new knowledge, but actually applying that information and that knowledge to our lives. I want to go as far as saying I'm not going to give you anything new today. I'm not going to teach you anything new. But I'm going to remind you of a few things that you might say, yeah, yeah, I know too. But I want to ask the question, are we living this way in our life? We have this desire to, low, to, to know, learn more and to know more, but then we don't apply the things that we learn and the things that we know. You know, you, you have all these sayings and, and hopefully um, the sayings that we had in Australia and seeing as though you have an Australian pastor, you probably may have heard some of these, but hopefully you can help me finish these. I'm pretty sure that they're universal. But, you know, these are the kind of sayings where we know it, but do we know it? Things like doing to others as you would have others doing to you. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We say names will never hurt me in Australia, but I learned that it's words will never hurt, hurt me in America. See, I mean, that's an easy thing to say, isn't it? Until someone says something nasty to you. And then 12 years later, we're still mad at the person. It's like, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Names won't, words won't hurt me. How about this one? Do the crime. How many spared on the way to church this morning? <laughs> I feel like the Lord is convicting some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. This one, this one is particularly challenging for me uh, this morning. It's practice what you... I'll leave that one alone. I don't want to spend too much time on that one. <laughs> <laughs> My dad used to say, do as I say, not as I do. I'm like, yeah, that's a good reversal, isn't it? You know, I'd be like, practice what you preach. <laughs> How about this one? Give and it shall be given unto you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. You have not because you ask not. You didn't know that one. Oh, there you go. All right. Just us. Um, how about this one? If you fall off the horse, get back on. That's all well and good till you actually fall off a horse because that stuff hurts. I, was, uh, I, I remember my dad used to say this to me when I was playing uh, soccer and, you know, I'd fall, I'd fall over or get, get hacked, you know. My dad would be like, get up, get up. I'm like, yeah, I've got like a broken tibia and fibia. Um, <laughs> He'd be like, run it off. And, uh, you know, he had this kind of mentality. You've got to get back on the horse. You've got to get back on the horse. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. And, 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 and I finally got my revenge one day when we went to my uncle's house and he had this big stallion and my dad decided that he was going to ride it. And my dad was not a small man. And uh, when he sat in the saddle, the stallion didn't appreciate the heftiness of my father's frame. <laughs> And decided that it was going to take off at a great rate of knots. 
My dad didn't even have his feet in the stirrups yet. And so he's just holding on to the reins and his legs are going up in the air. I mean, every bit of revenge I ever wanted on my father was achieved in that moment. I was just enjoying this a little bit too much as a teenage boy. And about 100 yards up the road, my dad came flying off the horse. I mean, he came off. He went so far in the air, came down with this big thud. And I'm there going, get back on the horse, Dad. Get back on the horse. If you fall off, you've got to get back on the horse. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, How about this one? Snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. I tell that to my, my kids when they're dobbing on their, on their brother and sister. Snitches get stitches. My, me and my brothers, we, we upscaled that one. We, we, we took it to snitches, end up in ditches. Uh-huh. You know, we just took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> but these are all things that we know, right? We're like, yeah, yeah, I know. But they're sometimes so hard to apply to our life. We're, 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 these are kind of like funny illustrations, but how about if we think about some of the fundamentals of our faith? How about if we start to think about some of the things that that our faith is built on and and even like sayings that we say, but then at the same time, we haven't really applied those to our lives. I want to take you through five things, if I can get through them. If not, you'll have to come back to the next service for the last ones. Um, The first one is faith without works is dead. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know. I told you, I'm not telling you anything new. It's going to remind you of a few things. Faith without works is dead. So it's not just what we believe, it's what we do with that belief. It's how we activate our faith. It's not just believing that, you know, oh yeah, I believe in tithing. Oh yeah, I believe in praying for people. Oh yeah, I believe in, you know, being a part of the church. I believe in, you know, reaching people or loving people. But you see, it's one thing to believe it, but then this 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 works part of it is where we, we step into what God is planning for that, that, that situation and that circumstance. In James 2 and verse 20, it says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see that you see then that a man is justified by works not just by faith. This understanding that it's not just about having faith but it's actually about being active with my faith. It's not just about believing, it's actually about hey, stepping out. Being a part of the answer. Our faith should be active, not dormant. When we find ourselves confronted with bad circumstances, we should actively step into faith. You know, I I hear things uh, that people say that in a way they sound spiritual, but but in another way they they defy this this kind of thinking. Like people will say things like, well, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. And I think that's great. I think that sounds very spiritual. So let's just apply that to like everyday life, you know. Um, I really want to build a house. I've got a block of land and I don't think I should have to get a builder because if God wants it to happen, it'll happen, right? You, you see, I'm not saying that God doesn't intervene. I'm not saying that God doesn't breathe on things, but there's this part that we have to play in stepping into what God wants to do. 
It's, it's us making a decision. I'm not just going to wait for God to do it because, you know, God actually called us to be a part of the answer, to step in faith and be a part of the answer. So I'm not waiting around for, for God to just kind of miraculously do things. I'm activating the promptings of His Holy Spirit. I'm stepping out in faith and I'm doing what God's asked me to do and playing my part and believing for His breath to be on what I'm doing. This one I haven't heard in a while, but definitely when I was in Bible college, I used to hear this all the time. Um, and this is a very, very spiritual thing when people would say to you, I'd say, oh, what do you do for work? And they say, oh, I live by faith. I'm like, okay, I didn't ask where you lived. I, I wanted to know what you do for work. <laughs> like, no, no, I live by faith. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, oh, God provides. I'm like, okay, so what do you do with your time? I like praying stuff and, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, I work like about 80 hours a week and I, I pray and stuff as well. Like, you know, but there's this kind of this, this kind of understanding or this thought that, you know, oh, I'm just going to wait for God to bless me. But what it ends up being, you know, is not faith without works is dead, but faith without hints is dead. Like, hey, um, just wanted to just ask you to pray for me. You know, you know, I live by faith, um, but like I'm really believing for the rent this month. Um, it's called faith without hints is dead. Do you get it? You don't get it, do you? I'm not that funny. I, I mean, I thought it was funny, but I get it. We'll move on. We'll move on. It's fine. It's fine. But this, this, this whole kind of misconception that somehow if I just don't do anything that I can call that living by faith. But how about if I decided to fulfil the call of God that was on my life and to step out and just follow His promptings and, and build His kingdom and to, and to reach people and, and then still live by faith and believe that God's exponential on that. How about this one? It's all God. It's not me. It's all God. It's not me. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Once again, it sounds great. You, you, you see these um, actresses accept, accept these awards and, and they stand up there on the stage and they're like, you know, I just want to give all, all the glory to God. You know, I couldn't, it wouldn't happen without Him. And I'm there going, yes, it's true. I, let's give all the glory to God. But if you didn't play that role, if you didn't read the script, if you didn't do a great job of acting, it wouldn't have happened either. Like somewhere in the middle of believing for God to bring blessing, favour, His portion, His, His miracle working power onto the fact that we're stepping out and saying, yes, I want to walk it. I want to be a part of it. I want to step into it. I want to do what you've called me to do. Faith without works is dead. Yeah, yeah, I know. The second one. And you're going to say, yeah, 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 I know to this one. This is very simple. But I'm still going to challenge you with it. The good news, the gospel, will set a person free. Yeah, 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 I know. See, the good news is that Jesus died on a cross so that you can live in a right relationship with God. And we all know that, right? Maybe some of us don't. Maybe that's the first time you've heard that. I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that at the end of the service. But most of us know that. 
in Mark 16 and verse 15, it says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptised will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And those, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. See, we know it, right? We know that the good news sets people free. We know that people can be saved by having an encounter with Jesus. We also know that we are charged with the message of the gospel to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. So often people think that means I have to get on a plane and fly to some obscure part of the world to fulfil the Great Commission. No, just got to be willing to share. Just got to be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit as you meet somebody, that prompting that says, why don't you share? Why don't you just step out? Why don't you say something? It's, it's, it doesn't have to be all wordy and all worked out, but just a, a little step of faith. See, telling someone about your church, as good as that is, is not telling somebody about the gospel. I mean, it's great. Hey, you know, telling someone that, some, that your church or your pastor can help them. That, that's, that's also fine. Um, but God said to you, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I mean, that's our part that we get to play. And, and there is nothing more amazing than sharing your faith with somebody and seeing them come to Christ. Inviting them to church, still a great step, but still not going to set them free. How about this one? Introducing them to a friend who has an evangelistic gifting on their life so that they can tell them the good news. Uh-uh. Doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I had that happen to me all the time. I used to work with a guy and uh, he was a heroin addict and I was sharing my faith with him and he just came in one Monday morning. He went to some random church, got radically saved. He came in on fire for God, like totally. You know those guys that are just crazy on fire? And you've gone from like trying to get them converted to, to, come to come to Jesus to trying to get them to tone down a little bit. It's like, just, just, just hey, mate, you're at a 10. I need you to seven, all right? Too much passion, not enough knowledge. And we'd be walking down the street, you know, on our way to get lunch. And he'd be like, hey, do you, guys, do you know Jesus? And the person would be like, oh, no. And he'd be like, well, my friend Darren's going to tell you about him. I'd be like, nah, man, Darren's going to get some lunch. And, and he just was this, like, he just wanted to tell, he didn't know what to say. He had this message on the inside, this passion on the inside, but he didn't know what to say. So he's delegating his responsibility to somebody who he thought could do a better job. But the reality is this guy's story was so powerful, so impacting that if he learned to just share it in, a, in just a simple and passionate way, I believe he could impact so many lives. And I got the privilege one, one day to, to kneel beside uh, another lady who was working in our factory. I was a, I was a printer, a printing machinist, and uh, we got to kneel down beside the machine and I got to lead her in the sinner's prayer because my friend Charlie had put a sign up on the window as people were getting off the bus on the main street that said, Jesus loves you and you can be saved and started knocking on the window and pointing at the sign. I'm like, is the next step every time somebody comes in, he's going to point him to me and I'm going to have to explain this. But one of the girls that was working with us said, do you think 
you know, that, have you seen Charlie's sign? I'm like, oh, he's crazy. You know, I'm trying to get him to get back down to a seven. He's in a 10. He's now at an 11. He's going crazy. <laughs> She's like, no. She goes, oh, I think that, that, that sign's for me. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've just been saying to Charlie how great it was that he would <laughs> just have that kind of passion to put that sign up. I really feel like it's effective. It was really my idea. Charlie's just, you know, he's just the worker. You know, he's the servant. He's the volunteer. Uh, <laughs> But I got to lead her to the Lord in a printing factory. And she got radically saved. There's nothing more powerful, my friend, in your life to step out in faith and to see somebody find the freedom and the truth that you have found yourself. Don't forget it. I I, I try my hardest to never forget that day when I had this encounter with Jesus 30 years ago. And everything changed. I cannot explain it. I don't know how to... um, you know, people are like, well, what do you mean everything changed? I'm like, I just thought differently. Certain words that I used to think, I couldn't even think those words anymore. Certain behaviours I, I wasn't interested in. It was like there was this part of my life that was dead and, and, and a new part that came alive. The first time I heard the gospel message, I was 18 years old. I was... Drunk, I got into a fight in a bar. I got thrown out of the fight in Australia. You can drink at 18, don't worry. I wasn't breaking any laws. Um, All the 18-year-olds just all of a sudden feel called to Australia. Sorry, it's not going to happen. And um, this guy came up to me and he started to talk to me. I thought, I didn't know what was going on. I thought, to to be honest with you, I thought he was making a pass at me. I'm like, I'm not interested, thank you. Um, And and then, but we got talking and I asked him what he did and he said he was an evangelist. Now, I didn't even know, I'd never heard that word. I didn't have any point of reference for what an evangelist was. I didn't know, that I didn't, I'd, I'd never been preached to, I'd, I'd never been a church kid. And I, I said to this guy what my grandfather told me to say, which was, if somebody tries to talk to you about God, just tell them, hey, I've got two rules. I don't talk about God and I don't talk about um, politics. So I pulled out that line. So he goes, oh, okay, well, do you want to talk about sport? I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. So then for the next hour and a half, while all my friends left me outside, this guy sat there and we talked about football and cricket and we just got to know this guy. From, the, from about the 10-minute mark, everything on the inside of me wanted to say to him, can you please tell me about God? Every single thing. I mean, I was a, a, a young hoodlum and is that even a word here? <laughs> yes, just checking. I, I, I've got to keep checking, you know. Um, and, and, but, but there was something on this guy, but I didn't have the courage to say it. We talked for an hour and a half. My friends finally came out and I, I realised I was about to leave. And I said to this guy, you've got two minutes. Tell me about God. And in two concise minutes, he sat there and he presented the gospel to me in such a powerful way that I believe a seed was planted. Two years later, I gave my heart to the Lord. One day I'll, I'll, I'll meet that guy in heaven. And thank him because he was willing to step out. Now, you know what? He wouldn't even know. He would have just thought, oh, there was this young, crazy guy, got into a fight, you know, I just got a chance to tell him about Jesus. I mean, you know. But it planted something on the inside of me. You plant enough seeds, you'll reap a harvest. Yeah, yeah. I know. Third one is God wants to use me to heal other people's pain. 
we finish off that, or at the back end of that verse in Mark 16, it says, you know, if they, um, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's the same Jesus. It's the same God that rose Jesus from the dead that dwells in us. There, there's this authority. There's this, this, this ability, this, this blessing on our lives that we can actually be a part of the process of seeing people get healed. Now, I'm not just talking about physical healing, although I do believe in physical healing. I'm talking about the fact that we can be a part of people's journey, part of, part of their pain, part of their past being kind of you know, eradicated from their life, pointing them to Christ, but also taking them on this journey of healing. And um, you know, I, I believe that God wants to use us to see people get healing. You know, sometimes we wonder why are we going through this painful circumstance? Why are we going through this painful situation? And so often I've realised that it's because once I get victory that I'm going to be able to help other people through those same situations and circumstances. Now, it's never the highlight at the time. It's never the point where I'm like, oh, praise God, you know, I'm going through this, uh, this difficult situation. I'm going to be able to help so many people in 27 years' time when I get over it. Um, I had a friend uh, that I went to Bible college with and, you know, he did some things. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't remember what he did, but he got kicked out of Bible college. He was a naughty boy. And, uh, you know, I, I remember just about, I, I caught up with him about 20 years later. And we were still kind of friends. We played soccer together and kept, kept the relationship going. But I kind of had a bit of a catch up with him. Just how are you going? And he's so full of shame. You know, he looks at his feet when he's talking to me. And he's like, you know, I stuffed up. He goes, I know I had the call of God on my life. I stuffed up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, well, you know, I got kicked out of Bible college. I'm like, and you are the only person on planet Earth that remembers that. Like nobody even, nobody else has even given it a second thought from about three weeks after it happened. Like there's not this binding you know, this, this, this anchor binding you to a, a silly mistake you made when you were 20 years old, hanging over your life as a 40-year-old man. And it, I'm like, the call of God that was on you before you did that is still on your life. What are you doing with your life? Like, step into it. Be who God has called you to be. And he starts to kind of look at me like I was crazy. I'm like, man, I believe that that, God, that the call, like he was the guy in college that everyone prophesied over. You know that guy? It's like, you know, it was, you, didn't, you didn't need like a word from, word from God to see that God was going to use this guy, you know? That kind of guy, word of common knowledge, you know? God's going to use you. He's got a great plan for your life. It's called a word of common knowledge. Another dead joke in the sea of dead jokes down the front of the stage. I'm going to have a swim in dead jokes down here after the service. Let's get baptised in dead jokes. Anyway, he starts this journey and we go on this journey together and I start encouraging him and, and, and he ends up coming on our, onto our church staff as um, helping with our maintenance and helping us around the buildings and then he goes back to Bible college. <laughs> I, get, oh, I get emotional telling this story. 
goes back to Bible college and then, you know, we, we asked him, you know, he, he's, he's, just be, he's this amazing pastor. He's just got this amazing heart for people. He's been through his journey of pain. So he has such a passion and a love for people who are going through their journey of pain. And then uh, eventually we, we moved him from our maintenance section to our pastoral staff. And about six weeks ago, I got the privilege to be zoomed into his, what we call the credential meeting, where he was getting his credential as a fully ordained minister. I got to be a part of that journey. I got to be a part of that process. I got to be a part of it. But the best part about it is, He's now doing that over and over and over and over and over again for other people. Because we step out, they step out. And the last one is I have got the call of God on my life. You have got the call of God on your life. You know, it's not something we do just to kill a bit of time. Oh, you've got nothing better to do on Sunday. You know, I've got... I've got nothing better to do, uh, you know, go into everything that's going on midweek or, you know, it's not just what we do to to kill time or to to feel good enough about ourselves that we're going to make it to heaven. There's a call of God that is on our lives. 1 Corinthians 1-2. Apostle Paul, he says, we're writing to the church of God in Corinth. You have been called by God to be His own holy people. He made you holy by the means of Christ Jesus just as He did all Christians everywhere, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus and our Lord, and that is the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and theirs. So He has made you His own holy people and He's called you as He did all Christians everywhere. We qualify. We're all Christians everywhere. Ephesians 4 verse 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead your life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. There's a call of God on your life, friend. Now, you could sit there and go, well, I'm not really sure what it is. Well, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep on going. But just open your ears to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Just ask God, hey, you know, what do you need me to do today? Ask, ask if you wake up in the morning and just say, God, two questions. Where do you want to lead me today? And who do you want me to talk to today? I pray that you would just point those people out to me, highlight those people to me. And honestly, it changes your whole perspective because you start looking, is it this person? Is it that person? Is it this person? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts to bring people into your world and all of a sudden you start to see that you actually have this phenomenal call of God in your life. And all you've got to do is step out in it. Some people... For some people, that's a scary thought. It's like, hey man, like I'm pretty cool at the level I'm at. Um, you know, I'm just getting by. I'm, I'm doing my thing and you know, I don't want to take it too far. don't want to go too hard. I get that. I get, there's, there's been massive seasons of my life where I've felt that. Where I'm like, hey, you know, enough's enough. <laughs> I don't want to go the extra mile. I don't want to step out. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that goes to people's weddings and they put all the really bad sinners at his table because he will tell them all about Jesus. I'm like at the wedding, I just want to hang with these guys and have fun. And then the, the bride and groom are like, hey, um, you're supposed to be telling these guys about Jesus. That's why we put you on the table with them. Um, oh, okay, sorry, my bad. <laughs> back, on, back on the job, back on the job. <laughs> but here's what I've discovered. 
in my desire to retreat, people's breakthrough doesn't happen. I've been involved in many individuals in my life that through chance meetings, chance things happen, people close to me even. But because I was willing to step out, they've had an encounter with God or they've had a breakthrough in their life. Now I'm not saying that it wouldn't have happened without me, but I kind of am. Wouldn't have happened the same way. Wouldn't have happened the same timeline. Maybe they would have gone through a couple more years of hell before somebody else was obedient. It's not just about us feeling good about ourselves. It's not just about us feeling like our cage has been rattled and our comfort has been challenged. It's about us actually playing a part in somebody else's victory. Somebody else, we, we can help people. You can help people. The call of God, it's not about money. It's not about resources. It's not about buildings. It's about people. Every single one of those other things is all about people. If you look after God's people, He'll look after you. Father, I thank You. Thank You for Your Word. I thank You for these reminders, Lord. The challenge for us to continue to step out and be who You've called us to be. Lord, I pray for every single person here today, Lord, that they would genuinely start to continue to be all that You've called them to be. Lord, I thank You for so many faithful people who are like, yep, I'm on all of those things. And, and I, I pray, God, that they would continue down that path. But Lord, I pray they would bring some more people with them on the journey. Pray for those that just feel a little reluctant or scared. Lord, I pray that You would help us to continue to step out, be who You've called us to be. Lord, help us, I pray. Help us not to just know it, but to live it. Just stay in an attitude of prayer. I just want to talk to two groups of people here today and I want to ask you a question. You see, I know some of you, not, all, not a lot of you, but it, and I don't know where you stand when it comes to God. I don't know where you stand when it comes to His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but I know where He stands when it comes to you. See, the Bible says that He stands at the door of your heart that He knocks so that ever, whoever opens, it says, he will, he will come in. He will come in and dine with you. In other words, He wants to come in and be a part of your life. He wants to be a part of your life. And all we have to do is acknowledge Him, ask Him to forgive us of our sins, ask Him to come into our life as our Lord and Saviour, make a declaration that we're going to live for Him, pray a prayer, a simple prayer. And if you're here today and you're like, hey, I've never really made that decision, but I would love to start that relationship with Jesus that you're talking about. I'd love to invite Him in as my Lord and Saviour. I want to give you an opportunity. Or maybe you're here and you prayed this prayer once before, but the truth is you're so far away from God. You're going through the motions, you're backslidden. And you want to make that decision to say, you know what, I'm, going to, I'm just going to make a fresh decision to get my peace with God, to, to, to get my life back on track with His plan and His purpose. Maybe you're a bit like my friend. 20 years later, just hiding in the shadows and God wanted him to come out of the shadows. If you're here with every head bowed and every eyes closed, I'm going to count to three. And if you say, Darren, when you pray that prayer, I want to be included in that prayer. Just slip it up when I get to three. I'm not going to prolong it. I'm just going to move straight on after three. So one, 
two, three. If that's you, slip it up. Awesome, I got you. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Awesome. Why don't we all stand? We're going to pray this prayer together. I want to encourage the people who lifted your hand to pray this, you know, but we're all going to pray it with you together because we're one big family here. Guest first time, family second, right? So if, why don't you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I ask you to come into my life as my Lord and Saviour. I ask you to forgive me for everything I've done wrong. And I want to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.